So um, we're going to go into the word of God. I know that he has a word for us because we're living in a season right now where uh, the devil wants us to save ourselves. He wants us to make sure that we're okay. He wants us to neglect God and just run after the things that make us feel good and the things that make us feel okay. What the enemy wants us to do is abandon our trust in God and come to him. The enemy desires that we abandon our love for God and waste it all on ourselves. The Bible says that in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. So the enemy's desire is that you break up with God and fall more in love with yourself. And to have a great, uh, an unbalanced, unbiblical love for yourself means that you have a love for this world. And God says that if the love of, we have a love of the world present in us, then the love of the Father is not. So we've got to be very careful about what we love and who we love and the place that they have in our lives. Amen. Let's bow our heads so that we can pray and hear what God would have us to hear today. Father, I just surrender myself to you. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to know what I'm doing, God. I just give you this myself as an instrument to use, God, to deliver your word to these people. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit would allow an anointing to be upon my life so that I can preach the gospel and preach truth to these people. And even if it offends them, help them to know, God, that they must turn and bend their lives towards the word because the word is the only way to go. The word is what's right. So, Father, I come to you now asking that there would be an anointing upon every ear that's going to hear this word. May their ears hear what the Spirit of the Lord is going to be saying to the church this morning. I humble myself to you, God. Use me by your power in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We can turn me down a little bit because I like to get loud and these windows are expensive. And I don't want to break any of the windows with my loud voice, okay? I think that sounds good right there. All right, so today's message is entitled, Is He First? Finding Your First Love Again. And this message is for everybody. So don't you think that this message isn't for you because it's for me as well. Is He First? And that doesn't mean He is in your husband. That doesn't mean he as in the president. That doesn't mean he is in your boss. We're talking about the Lord God Almighty Jehovah this morning, his son and his Holy Spirit. Is he first is the question. And then what we're going to learn to do is to adjust our lives for the second part of the title, which is finding your first love again. So the question and the thing that we have to discuss this morning is this. Is seeking to please God the single greatest pursuit of your heart? 
And I don't want to just talk to you this morning. I desire that the Holy Spirit talk through me and minister to you because what should happen in ministry is you begin to make adjustments. When you hear the truth being preached, you should begin to make adjustments in your life and saying, you know what? I'm not doing this right. Let me cut that off. Or this could be better. Let me improve this. So as ministry and truth comes forth, the hearers make adjustments. For the word of God says, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. So the question that we ask ourselves today, and we're all guilty of doing this. Every single one of us is guilty of not putting God first in some areas of our lives because none of us are perfect. Okay, so is he first finding your first love again is seeking to please God. So is God's pleasure the single greatest pursuit of your heart? Because if it's not, our pleasure is. See how dangerous that can be? That's why we have to renew our mind. You hear Brother Seldon and Sister Seldon talk about that a lot, that you have to renew your mind every single day, all right? Just like you renew your armpits, right? Your neighbor will know if you have not been renewing those. But our life will also show if we have not been renewing our minds to make sure that our single greatest pursuit is God's pleasure, not our pleasure, because that's what leads us into sin, is our single greatest pursuit of our heart God's pleasure. And an honest evaluation of our priorities and passions will determine his place in our lives. I'm going to say that again. An honest evaluation of our priorities and passions will determine his place in our lives. For example, if God is first, he's a priority all the time. So Facebook is not the first thing we should do in the morning. Even the news is not the first thing we should do in the morning. And we can take those kids to children's church. They can go right down uh, to children's church, all right? Our single greatest pursuit every single day should be God. And that is not coming from a place of law. That should be coming from a place of love, all right? Everybody looking at the, the, the preacher, all right? I'm going to say it again. The reason we should be pursuing God first thing in the morning and first always is not as an act of law because we have to, but as an act of love because we want to. That's a whole different thing. A preacher in Bell Fountain, Pastor Ricks, who I looked up to very much, so he blessed me so much uh, a couple weeks ago by telling me this. He said, uh, listen, brother, people are going to only do what they want to do. And man, that just freed me from so much. Because I love you guys so much, and I want you to do certain things that will grow the kingdom, and I want you to do certain things that will uh, empower the earth with God's power through you. But at the end of the day, you're only going to do what you want to do. And that humbled me big time. Okay, let's keep going here. Our key verse this morning is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and it says this, Seek the kingdom of God above 
all else. How? Above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You see, the danger of putting things in front of God, the danger of seeking all these other things and not seeking God is this, that you'll find them and miss God. That you'll have the house, the career, the retirement, the kids, the family, the job, all these things that you always wanted, you'll get them. But in the end, the word of God says, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world but still lose his soul? So the aim of my preaching this morning is this, heaven. The aim of my preaching this morning is this, you spending your eternal life with Jesus Christ. So we all have to make adjustments this morning to make sure that he is first and that we have found our first love again. So. Let's look at how Jesus put us above the law even. Let's look at how Jesus loved us so much that he broke protocol, that he lowered himself to become like us so that he could show us the example of what real love looks like. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. This is the Passion Translation, and it says this. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly sinners. So the Bible is telling us here that God proved his love for us when he came and died for us while we were still messed up. He didn't wait till we got it right because we couldn't get it right. He loved us in spite of our faults and saw our needs and came to save us. So what are the things that we learn about love in this motion from heaven? This great motion of love that came from God was sending his son to die for us so that we might be saved. So if we evaluate love and keep that as a standard, what do we learn about love? And this is agape love because there's different kinds of love. Some of you love macaroni and cheese, but you're not going to die from macaroni and cheese, okay? You say, well, you don't know my mama's macaroni and cheese. I'm... Let, me stick, let me stick with the message. I could just keep going different places. But listen, for it to be agape love, say this with me, God is love. So that defines the nature of God. God is love. So we got to break down. So what is love then? Love must be proven. So God didn't just say, the Bible didn't say, for God so loved the world, period. Okay, what's the following action? What's the corresponding thing that happened that makes it love? For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. It's love when you're willing to sacrifice. And it's love when you're willing to be obedient. Because just because God was willing to sacrifice Jesus didn't mean that Jesus had to be obedient. But he was. So in order for it to be love, true love, there must be sacrifice and there must be obedience. All right? Let's keep going. Obedience is the command of devotion. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, 
and we're going to be going from verses 35 through 40. How many came to learn something this morning? You don't know it all. You're striving to do better. You want to know more about God. You want your life to look more like Jesus. That's what we're doing this morning, okay? So we're going to talk about obedience, uh, the command of devotion. So God commanded us to love him. Verse 35. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, what is the most important? So what is the first? What is the primary? What is the premier commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must. Can you say must, church? Must means that there is no other choice, okay? So he's saying that you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if we love God, we're going to obey him. I want you to say this out of your own mouth this morning. If I love God... I'll obey him. We'll say it one more time. If I love God, I'll obey him. So listen, if God really loved us, he would send his son to die for us. And if his son really loved us, he would obey him. And now we see love fulfilled. And now for love to be fulfilled from earth to heaven, Jesus is saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. Obedience is Jesus's love language. You've heard about love languages, husbands, by the book, the five love languages. You need to know your wife's love language, okay? Wives, you need to know your husband's love language. But everybody needs to know Jesus's love language. And his love language is obedience. So don't tell me that you love me, but then you don't obey my word, okay? Let's keep going. In order for it to be love, there should be obedience and sacrifice. So we see that Jesus was obedient even to death on a cross and that he also made his life a sacrifice. Can you say sacrifice? I know these are hard words for such early in the morning. Obedience. Oh, man. Sacrifice. Oh, man. These are heavy. Why can't you talk about how I can get more money in my bank account or something like that? Well, this is the way. Because he doesn't withhold any good thing from those who are upright. So I've got to teach you how to be upright. I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit has to teach us how to be upright so that even when the blessing does come, we don't lose it. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So now we've got to learn about what sacrifice looks like. And we're going to look at what Jesus did as the perfect picture of sacrifice. We're going to Isaiah chapter uh, 53, verses 7 through 9. And this is the Passion Translation. This is what sacrifice looks like. And this is the silent sacrifice of Christ. 
it was a silent sacrifice. He did not complain, so neither should we complain. Oh boy, I got to go to church. Oh boy, I got to love my enemies. Oh boy, I got to pray. Oh boy, I can't cuss people out. Oh boy, I can't do what I want to do. Always complaining when it comes to be obeying God, but that's not love. Because what if I went home to my wife and said, oh boy, I got to pay the bills. And oh boy, I only got to be faithful to you. And oh boy, I got to sleep here every night. That's the same way we sound to God when he says, this is the way I desire that you love me. But then if you're going to complain about it, then it's not in your heart. Because the word of God says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. How does he know that our hearts are far from him? Because the actions of our heart prove that we are not in love with him. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to make it personal. The actions of my heart prove whether or not I love or I hate the Lord. Amen? I know this is heavy, but it'll save your soul. I know that it is heavy, but it is truth. And we need truth in this world now more than ever because CNN, Fox, MSNBC, the New York Times, they're not going to give you the absolute truth. The absolute truth is found in one place, and that's the mouth of God. And from the mouth of God, it was recorded in Scripture. So the Scripture is we go, where we go for ultimate truth. Don't complain as it relates to obeying God. I know it's hard to do sometimes, but he empowers us to do it because you can't do it by yourself. So let's look at the silent sacrifice of Christ. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 through 9. It says this, and this is, this is happening to Christians now, but Jesus didn't complain. Listen, he was oppressed and harshly mistreated. Still, he humbly submitted, refusing to defend himself. Church, can I tell you something? You don't have to argue with people. Stay off Facebook arguing. Stay off the phone arguing. Stay out of conversations arguing. We don't have to argue truth. Truth is truth all by itself. So the thing is this. We see truth, all right, and they don't. But one day, everybody will see truth. And they will bow to truth because truth goes by another name as well. Truth goes by the name of Jesus Christ as well because the word of God says that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. I am so pumped up right now. I, I am so glad that you're here this morning. I am so glad that you're receiving this word because the world needs you to have this word on the inside of you because the word of God says that we are salt and we are light. But if salt has lost its savor, then it's no good for anything but to be thrown in the streets and walked on by men. But we've got the light and we've got the truth and they're trying to trick us out there. They are lying and they're trying to deceive us because they are really a he. And the he is the devil. And the he is the father of all lies. 
So if you follow the world, you follow him because he is the God, little g, of this world. So don't you go running and doing everything the world tells you to do because the world obeys their father and their father was a liar from the beginning. Amen? Amen. Jesus sent back his Holy Spirit to this earth because he knew that he was leaving us here with the master liar. So how are we going to live life on earth when there is a God whose superpower is lying? Well, he needed to send another comforter. He needed to send the spirit of truth so that when he came, when, uh, he, when he sent his spirit back to us, that we could be led by this truth. And that's why he said it was necessary that he go away. Let's keep going. All right. He humbly submitted, refusing to defend himself. So you don't have to defend your actions against anybody. If the world wants to do it, you let them do it. But we don't have to defend our actions to, to, to anybody, all right? Because God is the creator, God is the judge, and he has the final say-so. Who has the final say-so? God. Amen? Let's keep going. He was brought like a gentle lamb to be slaughtered. Like a silent sheep before his shears, he didn't even open his mouth. By coercion and with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. All this stuff is happening right now in earth. Perversion of justice, coercion, all this stuff is happening now. And who could have imagined his future? He was cut down in the prime of life. How old was he when he died? 33. For the rebellion of his own people, he was struck down in their place. They gave him a grave among criminals, but he ended up instead in a rich man's tomb. Although he had done no violence nor spoken deceitfully. Can you say sacrifice? That's what sacrifice looks like. When you love somebody, you sacrifice for them silently. You don't throw things in people's faces when you did something nice for them. It ruins the whole thing. So as God is asking us to be obedient and to live by faith, we don't complain to God. Do you want to die in the wilderness or do you want to go to the promised land? To die in the wilderness is to murmur and complain all the time, just complaining and murmuring. God don't want to hear that. I don't even want to hear it. All right. Nobody wants to hear you complaining and whining and murmuring. But I'll tell you what God does want to hear. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My God is faithful. He supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's attractive to God. Amen. So we don't murmur and complain. Instead, we worship him because he inhabits the praises of our mouths. Amen? All right. Now, it's time to inspire you with truth from the word of God. What does it look like then to surrender all? Listen, nobody goes to heaven without doing everything I'm saying right now. You might be thinking, man, this is hard. And when Jesus said it, they said, this is hard. And the Bible says many walked away at that time. And then Jesus asked, are you, are you going to leave too? And they said, where, where are we going to go? 
It is you that has the words of life. It is you that are the truth. We know who you are. So church, where are you going to go other than fully obeying God? Who else are we going to turn to? The government has no idea what they're doing. They're not going to save you. What's good on Monday, they change it on Thursday. They have no idea what they're doing. So we better be in tune with the Father at all times and saying, God, what would you have me do? Where do you want me to go? Order my steps, Lord. Amen? We've got to surrender all. Because here's how the devil works. From the very beginning, he told Eve, oh, you won't die. You won't die. And it's the same thing that the devil is trying to scheme now. He's saying, save your own lives. Forget about what God said. Do what you want to do. Please yourself. Love yourself. But we say we must surrender ourselves. Romans 12 and 1 says this. Beloved friends. This is the Passion Translation. What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Can you say proper response? That's the right thing. And you, this morning, you agree that you are here to learn how to do the right thing. What's the right thing? What's that thing that pleases God? And here we see it. It says this. To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights, all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. So what we learn here is that worship is not just singing, but when the way you live your life is a melody unto the Lord. I want to show you something that has really blessed me recently as it relates to my devotion to God. I, can, I feel like I can instantly get in God's presence when I do a couple of things. Okay, So the first thing I do is this. And it's surrendering yourself. Because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross, deny yourself daily, and follow me. So I imagine myself picking up the cross and being nailed to it. I see myself nailed to the cross. And then at that moment of giving up myself, at that moment of the death of the old, I picture myself in the presence of Jesus in, in heaven in that very moment. And that's a true statement because the word of God says that he has seated us in heavenly places with him, right? So part of us is with him now just as he is with us. So as I do that, it cancels out everything in this world. All my troubles, all my worries, all my concerns, my pride, my fear, all that leaves. I give up all my life so I can see and be in the presence of Jesus and the vast majority of the time when I do that, ooh, I fall asleep. Do you know why? Because I am just overwhelmed with peace. I've got no problems in the presence of Jesus. I've got no worries, no concerns, no sins in the presence of Jesus. And that's exactly where our worship should take us. Remember, worship is not just singing. Worship is how you live. And it's telling us here that the way that we ought to live our lives, Romans 12 and 1, beloved friends, what should, we, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? 
to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. All right, let's go on to Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And what this is going to tell us is that sacrificing means that we should give our best offering. Remember the time that Jesus was at the temple and rich people were putting lots of money into the offering receptacles? And then this little lady comes to the front and drops in her one coin or whatever it might have been. And it was the least amount physically, the least dollar amount given that whole day. But yet he honored her because he said she has given her all. She has given uh, the ultimate sacrifice. It's all that I had. Do you know how we would have wrestled with that decision? Man, this is my last. This could be a cheeseburger later. Or this could be a new this or a new that. But you know what? Man, this is so important. When you worship or when you give offerings, just look at Jesus, not the mirror. Because when you look in the mirror, you say, this affects me in a negative way and I'm losing something. But when you look at Jesus, in comparison to what you're about to give, you say, this is nothing. You have given your whole life to save me and this is just a small token of my appreciation. But listen, church, the greatest thing that God desires for us to give and my feet are too big for this example, is us. It's as if I stood in the buckets. That's what it looks like to be a living sacrifice, to walk around with bucket feet, to say that, you know what, I might look silly, and you might, even my father, my grandfather used to tell my father, and say, boy, you give away all your money. You're always giving money away. Well, that's okay. Because God blessed me so that I could be a blessing, right? I'm a living sacrifice. I don't, when you have bucket feet, okay, this is the only place a bucket is welcome is on your feet. Because the word of God says that we shouldn't be bucket heads. Because we're created to be lights. And the Bible says nobody lights a candle in their house and then puts a bucket over it, right? But if we're going to be bucket anything, let's have bucket feet to where our whole life becomes an act of worship. And here's the beauty, here's the secret of wealth that I have found. And it wasn't studying Dave Ramsey books, but he did help me a lot, all right? But the secret of wealth that I have found is that when I give my whole life to God and I say, God, everything that I have is yours, he said, you got it, boy. You got it. Now, since you said that everything that you have belongs to me, I'm going to let you know that everything I have belongs to you because I see your heart and your heart is right. Amen. Thanks for the 6.5.6.7.8 claps. But I'm trying to tell you, God doesn't bless you financially if he can't trust you because that'll be your destruction. They don't want to hear that, but it's true, man. It's true. All right. Let me fix my bucket feet. Put these shoes back up here. 
and let's keep moving. All right. So let's now learn um, that the best offering is ourselves. We're in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, and it says this. Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Get in the bu- put it in the bucket. Be in, make your life an offering for me. Completely embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will discover true life. Listen to this, though. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will lose what you try to keep. So what do we learn about true agape love in this? True agape love is to duplicate the sacrificial love we were given by Christ. So that's why I say that I picture myself on the cross. Because when I was worshiping two or three years ago in this section, I was like, Lord, like, what is the, what is the ultimate act of, of worship to you? Like, what does that look like? What, what is the, what is the, what is the most, most magnificent way in which I can display love to you? What does that look like? And he told me, it looks like you on a cross. I'm like, wow, that makes sense because it mirrors the love. It mirrors what you did for me. Because what he did for us was die on a cross. So he's saying, if you want to be my followers, then pick up your crosses and deny yourselves, and then you can follow me. What what I learned about that is this. It's impossible to be like Jesus without a cross. Because without a cross, I can't deny myself. Without a cross, I can't even see Jesus. Because how can you follow somebody you can't see? Or how can you follow somebody that you can't even hear? So in order to stop those own thoughts of yours from reoccurring in your head, to stop those evil desires and even evil passions that we sometimes have, to put an end to all that garbage that we were born into, we pick up the cross and we deny ourselves and we say, Lord, I sacrifice myself for you just like you sacrificed yourself for me. And this becomes the, act, act, the ultimate act of worship and display of love that he's looking for. All right, let's finish this message up. All right, so here's the warning then. So we've heard what love looks like, obedience and sacrifice, and living a life devoted for God, being obedient to him. But we need to know where we are. Church, say this with me. Where am I? Because we need to know now. I don't want to know I missed the mark when I'm standing in front of him. That's a bad time to know where I am with God when it's all said and done. I want to know where I am right now. So in Revelation Jesus has John write a letter to a church to show them where they are right now. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and it says this. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, 
your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil. So what could Jesus say to us? I know all about your compel ministry. I know that you go out in the streets and give away food and pray for people. I know that now eight times a month you open up your, uh, your doors, and maybe that's a little, oh, let me see, one, two, four, six. Six times a month you open up your basement doors and you feed the poor. New Life Christian Ministries, I know that you send money overseas to Kennedy, who's watching online now probably, and the orphans, you're feeding orphans and you're building their schools. I know that you've built a new church church in India from the ground up. I know you do all these things, okay? I know your works. And I know that you have tested those who say they are apostles and not and have found them liars. And you have, you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Church, don't you want to know what God has against you? Don't you want to know that thing that separates you from pleasing God? And he says this, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Well, how is that possible? How is it possible to, to be doing all these good things, but yet have left our first love? I want to give you another, uh, another example in the Bible. Do you remember when they were coming to Jesus at the end, and Jesus was saying, you know what, go away. I never knew you. And what did they start saying? They started talking about their works. They started saying, well, Jesus, well, didn't we cast out devils in your name? And didn't we do all these marvelous works in your name? But he still said, you know what? Get away from me. I never knew you. You're a worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So what does that say to you? You lacked intimacy with me. What does that say to you? You left your first love because the danger of doing good works is pride. You can just be doing good things to make you look good. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you left your first love behind. So Jesus is saying you need, we need to repent and go back to our first love. How do we do that then? Jesus, don't just leave us there. We don't want that cliffhanger. All right, you told us that we left our first love. How do we fix it? Revelations 2 and 5 in the Amplified Version gives us four steps. Remember, repent, seek, and do. Remember, repent, seek, and do. Verse 5. So remember the heights from which you have fallen. And repent, which means this. Change your inner self your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. So before we did anything for God, we fell in love with God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Please catch this. The first work was the work that he did for us by saving us of our sins and washing us and making us clean. 
The first work of the Holy Spirit was to reveal who Jesus Christ was to us. And let's just go back to when we had butterflies for Jesus. When he was our first love. When we, see, the reason many of us stop telling people about Jesus is because when we call on fire for Jesus and first fell in love with Jesus and we told our friends we're saved, they said, you're stupid. That's dumb. What are you doing that for? And then it kind of embarrassed us and broke our heart and knocked us down a few steps. And we said, man, like, man, well, maybe I should keep this love a secret. And there's no such thing as secret love. If you really love somebody, you're going to make it known. This is Angie and Eric, right? Okay. Eric is not sitting in the balcony. And Angie's not sitting here by herself. They are in love. And they don't care who knows it, right? So it'd be very weird if Eric sat in the balcony, but she sat here. We say, man, there's some trouble at their house right now. Woo, trouble, 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 right? But where are we in relation to our walk with God? Come on, personal reflection time. Don't look around. I'm talking about you. Where are, are we boldly and madly in love with God? Or do we just want to look good? Because that's what religion does for us. Religion makes you look good to other Christians, while relationship makes you look good to the one who loves you and who you love back. And that's why God wants a relationship with you and not just religion. Religion can fool people for years. There have been pastors that had girlfriends and second families and extorting money and all this kind of stuff. But the people still celebrated them because they were religious enough to fool them all. But you can never fool somebody who really knows what love looks like. Amen. What God wants us to do, he's saying this, new life, congratulations for all the things that you're doing, but don't leave your first love. Your first love. Man, God has been my first love for a long time. Graduated from high school, started drinking and meddling with stupid substances and dropped out of college and was just flushing my life down the whole toilet, but yet there he was, my first love. So even before my mama loved me, God loved me. Because the Bible says that before he placed me in her womb, he knew who I was and he loved me. The greatest lie the devil makes you believe is that God doesn't love you. And that's a lie. Because if anybody shouldn't be a preacher, it should be me. And if anybody shouldn't be a police officer, it should be me. Don't you be calling internal affairs and nothing like that saying, man, well, I don't know what this dude did, but he confessed on Sunday that he should not be. A Thank God that his love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm not going to finish this. I think this is a good place to stop. But if you've got the app, you can finish the message. Everything I preach from, right, everything that I have right here is on the app. So go to your app store, 
Type in New Life Lima. You'll see our app there. Go to sermons, and then you'll be able to finish this message. But I believe the heart of the message has been preached to you that we need to turn away from our love of this world. Seek first the kingdom of God because we don't want to hear, I never knew you. It's impossible for Eric and Angie not to know each other when they live in the same house. And do you not know that God's intention was for us to be his house, living tabernacles, holy temples unto God? So if he lives in me, there's no way he doesn't know who I am. But I can be religious and he not live in me. Because I can just go through religious, oh, praise the Lord, God bless you. She gets on my nerves. I'm just, ooh, I can't stand her. Ugh. Heart's not right. The only thing that makes a heart right is when God lives there. Do you hear what I'm saying? 